today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Look at those words, be strong and brave. I mean, how he's couching these words. Almost like he's doing something good. See, two wrongs, though, never make a right. Ammon is going to sin against sin. And all he's going to do is make matters worse. He's going to take things into his own hands and do it his way. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and Many of us have suffered at the hands of others who have done wrong against us or to those who are closest to us. While the desire for retribution is typically an easy thing to justify in our minds, it doesn't always mean that it's the right thing to do. In today's message, Pastor Ed reflects on the terrible actions of Amnon and Absalom's desire for vengeance. In our study, we learn how Absalom's self-justified actions further perpetuate the division and tension in the house of David for years to come. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Absalom's Spirit. Building in faith. We're in a series on the life of David, and I'm going to cover a lot this morning in the sermon, but I'm going to focus just on Absalom. The next week, I'll be focusing on David. We're going to turn in our Bibles to 2 Samuel, the 18th chapter, chapter 18. This is a lament, a lament of David. David has just received word from the battlefield. His son, who had turned against him and gathered the nation to anoint Absalom king instead of his father David, and now was fighting with David in the battlefield. Absalom has now been killed. And David just gets word. He had asked his generals, be gentle with my son David. In other words, Absalom, spare his life. Don't take his life. But yet Joab knowing the danger that Absalom was to the kingdom, doesn't listen to David, and he and his men gather around Absalom, and they kill him as he hangs from the tree. David now is going to hear the word, and we'll begin with verse 31. Then the Cushite arrived and said, My lord the king, hear the good news. The Lord has delivered you today from all who rose up against you. The king asked the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? The Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up to harm you be like that young man. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway And he wept. As he went, he said, O my son Absalom, my son, 
my son Absalom. If only I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. It's hard enough for a parent to lose a child and grieve his death, but to lose a child because that child has rebelled against them is a double grief. It has been my privilege to sit under the teaching and ministry of Haddon Robinson as I'm working on my doctorate. I remember in class him telling us a story, a heart-wrenching story. Both Bonnie, his wife, who's very sweet and very kind woman, and Haddon Robinson is a very kind man. They were reaching out to a young woman, and they were trying to help her. Bonnie would go over the house and clean the house for her. They would invite this young woman to their home, and they would prepare dinners for her. They were reaching out in a very loving and compassionate way when suddenly they received a lawsuit from her lawyers. Somehow she perceived things in the wrong way. And Haddon Robinson went through one of the darkest, most difficult times in his life. He was in New England at Gordon Conwell Seminary, and he would sometimes go out with his wife, Bonnie, and they would walk and they would pray. And years later, after the event, they would drive past the area that they walked and they would reflect on how God had helped them. Haddon said, he said, it was difficult for him to forgive. But he said, I serve a God who has forgiven all my sins, and they are many. And on the basis of that, I can begin to forgive her. If anybody knew the grace of God, it was David. He penned it in Psalm 51, in Psalm 32. He knew what it was like to be a recipient of mercy. I was surprised a while back when I heard that the son of Sam, he's a Christian, he's in one of our prisons in Sullivan County, He's a regular listener to our radio broadcast on the bridge at 3 o'clock. To see God give you grace when you know you don't really deserve it. You don't deserve his mercy. But that's what it is. Grace and mercy does something to you. And here Absalom is. His son has sinned against him. But yet what pours out of his heart is grace and mercy and compassion. What though happened in the life of this young man that so turned him against his father, his God? As we look at these chapters, there's just a couple of things I want to draw your attention to. There's so much material in, we can't cover it all. But the first thing that I want you to note is that he had an angry spirit. 
In verse 22 of chapter 13, it says, Absalom never said a word to Ammon, either good or bad. He hated Ammon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. Well, as you read that verse, there's a whole background to it. What had happened was Ammon was David's oldest son, heir apparent to the throne. Ammon fell in love, the scripture says, with Absalom's only sister, Tamar. She was beautiful, and he was caught up with her beauty. And then he began to plot and to plan with Jonadab how he might somehow have her. And so Ammon feigned sickness. He asked his father if his sister could come and prepare a nice meal, and that would make him feel better. And the king said, sure, Ammon. And so his sister came into the quarters, and Ammon asked all the other servants and people to leave. And then she came into the inner chamber to give him food. He was pretending he was sick on the bed, and suddenly he grabbed her, and he raped her. She protested. She asked him not to. She said, please, my father may give me to you, but, but don't rape me. Don't disgrace me. You're next in line. This will look terrible on you. She was a wise woman. And after he raped her, the Bible says that he hated her with more hatred than he had loved her. And she said, don't send me out, because what would happen was that would be condemning her to never marry to live life without marriage. But he didn't listen. He had her servants throw her out of the house and they bolted the door behind her. She went weeping, broken to her brother's home. Absalom. It reads like a soap opera, these chapters. I mean, it reads like something you'd say, wow, this is in the tabloids. But the Bible's really honest about the frailties and the problems that families have. There, Absalom says to his sister, don't worry, don't say anything. And he takes care of her. In fact, he names his daughter after his sister. But something goes on in his heart. He begins to think about what had happened. He plays it over and over and over and over again. And he begins to calculate revenge. Have you ever been hurt and betrayed? Maybe by a parent. Maybe by a child. Maybe by a spouse. Maybe by a co-worker. Maybe by a person that you trusted. And then you want to get back? That's what Absalom felt. In verses 23 to 29, he calculates revenge. In verse 23, it says, two years later, he's going to invite all the king's sons to a festivity. Now, for two years, it's been fermenting in his heart. For two years, it's been simmering. And he's been plotting, and he's been planning, and he's waiting for the opportunity. 
Now it was sheep shearing time, a time of festivity. And so Absalom, he shows these traits of trickery and deception. He goes to his father. He says, would you please come to a celebration that I'm going to have at my house? And his father, David, said no. And Absalom knew that his father would say no, all the business affairs of the estate. So he asked me, please, please come to my house. We're having a great feast. I'd like to have all of your sons, all of the family. And the father says no. He said, well, okay, then would you send Ammon there to represent you? Because, of course, he is heir apparent. He's next in line for the throne. So David agrees. And Absalom has it all planned out. Watch. Absalom ordered his men, listen, when Ammon is high in high spirits from drinking wine, and I say to you, strike Ammon down, then kill him. Don't be afraid. Have not I given you this order? Be strong and brave. Look at those words, be strong and brave. I mean, how he's couching these words. Almost like he's doing something good. See, two wrongs, though, never make a right. Ammon is going to sin against sin. And all he's going to do is make matters worse. He's going to take things into his own hands and do it his way. I think about how revenge can consume people's lives. They think and they intend and they're going to get back and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. Listen to the words of Proverbs. The message translation says, don't ever say, I'll get you for that. Wait for God. He'll settle the score. In anybody's house, in David's house especially, there should have been a sense of grace because David was a receiver of God's grace. He should have been dead. He should have died. But yet, somehow that spirit, that attitude wasn't transmitted in the family. It was someone who coined this and said, like a spiritual defect encoded in the family DNA, ungrace gets passed on in an unbroken chain. What type of spiritual DNA characterizes your children, your grandchildren, your parents? Has the grace of God made you a grace giver. Ammon had wronged his brother and his half-sister. But leave that in God's hands. David had become angry but had not done anything. Surely it was a sorry situation. But let God be the one who deals with the situation. But he's not going to do that. So there's calculated revenge. And the second thing, there's calculated murder. Calculated murder. Right in the text again. He plans to kill him. 
And he says, don't be afraid. I'm going to take the responsibility. What happens is his thoughts and emotions feed on each other. And so his emotions take over. And he's ready to kill, to murder. Now, none of us have pulled the trigger, I don't think, or used the dagger. But we have killed people. Words can assassinate character. They can weaken influence. They can hurt and wound hearts. What we say, what we don't say. Jesus said, be careful of anger in your heart. It's like murder. People angry again with parents, angry with a spouse, angry with children, angry with life in general. What, what happens is he begins to look at life through a, a grid. And he's filled with anger. But he buries it so it's not seen. It's not obvious. He's still not saying much to Ammon. Nothing good, nothing bad. Just, But inside, it's impacting him. And the choices he's making now are going to predispose him to commit murder or attempt murder against his own father. What we do now has repercussions later on. It's not isolated. Someone has said, we make our choices and then our choices turn around and make us. We choose the way. We choose the attitude. We choose the actions. And those choices turn around and make us who we be come when you betray somebody else you also betray yourself Absalom such potential such ability but he would not ever achieve what he could have achieved had he walked with God there was Anger that he harbored, and that led him to calculated revenge and calculated murder. It led him to something else. He was ambitious. Now, ambition is good. Don't mistake. Uh, we need to be ambitious, not lazy. But unbridled ambition, governed and guided by selfish motives will take us far from God. Uh, Let me read to you verse 1 of chapter 15. You see this ambitious spirit that he has. In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. Now, get the picture. David, at heart, he's a shepherd. So he wasn't so much for all this fanfare and all this regal all of, all of that. And, but Absalom, he was the grandson of a king as well as the son of a king. And royal blood flowed through his veins, both on his mother's side, who was a princess, and his father's side, who was a king. 
And so Absalom had an entourage of 50 people running in front of him. Now, Jerusalem wasn't a large city. It was a significant city, but not a large city. So 50 people would run in front. Absalom, Prince Absalom is coming. And he had his chariot going through the city. See, he wanted people to know who he was. He wanted people to know that now he was the prince, the next, the crown prince. Because once Ammon was out of the way, Absalom, he was the most likely candidate to become the next king. Now, I'm going to go back in the story because after he killed Ammon, he fled to his grandfather's uh, kingdom. And there in his grandfather's kingdom, he stayed for a while. But Joab, knowing that David was getting older, and knowing that David's heart yearned for his son, was involved in bringing Absalom back to Jerusalem, though David would not see him for a period of time until... Absalom persuaded with a heavy hand Joab to have him have an entrance with the king. Absalom was confident, confident in his ability to charm. In his ability to turn his father's heart, he came into the king's throne room, bowed his head, and said something. And the king lifted him up and kissed him, showed reconciliation But his ambition was so seen by the way he used what God had blessed him with. I mean, he was blessed with charisma. He dripped with charisma. In verse 25, you see how he misuses that charisma. In all Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. I mean, he was a total package. From top of his head to the sole of his foot, there was no blemish in him. He looked like a king. I mean, he was eye candy. <laughs> you just looked at this guy and you said, man, he's, he's, he's it. So he looked like a king. He, he carried himself like a king. He knew how to manipulate He knew how to use the gifts that God had given him. You know, sometimes uh, we can sing, and we could really do it for ourselves rather than God. Or we can preach, and we can do it for our own ego rather than for the advancement of his kingdom. Sometimes we can use the gifts that he has so graciously given us But we use it for self rather than the Savior. Absalom just had the appearance that was so winsome that people would follow him. That's been a danger. It always will be a danger for people. We tend to be enamored with the outward appearance, the way a person speaks, the way they carry themselves, the way they look, their persona. God is always, always concerned with character. Even the most spiritual among us, those with prophetic insight, can miss 
what a person really is. We hope you've been blessed by Dr. Edward Jones' study on the life of David and invite you to join us again. In the meantime, we'd love to keep in touch with you. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. We're here to join with you in prayer for whatever is going on in your life or to answer any questions you may have about how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That phone number again is 845-462-5955. Be sure to check out our website as well at buildinginfaithradio.com. There, you'll find messages from previous series available to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. We know that God is using the Building in Faith radio ministry to spread the good news of the gospel, but we encourage you to not let this be your only source of spiritual guidance. Reading the Bible, prayer, and fellowship with other believers are extremely beneficial to anyone who wishes to grow closer to God. By getting plugged in with a local church, you'll also be able to bless others around you by sharing your unique gifts. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and don't have a church family, We welcome you to join us here at Faith Assembly. For location information, service times, and a calendar of other great upcoming events, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com and click on Back to the Home page. That's all the time we have for today. But join us next time right here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed shares more from the captivating life of David. Your word restores.